0: Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's Religion Podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. In Rome last week, a former nun who used to belong to a community founded by the notorious accused sex abuser Father Marco Rupnik went public with utterly disgusting allegations against this extremely well-connected former Jesuit priest. He's still a priest, by the way, just been kicked out of the Jesuits. At long last, I was able to read quite a big article in the Daily Telegraph, as far as I know, mentioning the case for the first time by its Rome correspondent, Nick Squires. Headline, Priest told me group sex was Holy Trinity, claims ex-nun. And it said, a prominent Catholic priest forced nuns to watch porn to grow spiritually and compared group sex to the Holy Trinity. It was claimed yesterday. One of Father Marco Rupnik's alleged victims spoke publicly for the first time at a press conference in Rome, saying she was abused for years at the community of the priest, a renowned religious artist founded in his native Slovenia. Quotes, He took me to pornographic theatres to help me grow spiritually, claimed Gloria Branciani, a member of the community until 1994, He said I wouldn't grow spiritually if I didn't meet his sexual needs. We had another nun have sex with us because he said it was like the Trinity. Now, as I say, it was quite a detailed article, but something very big was missing from it, and that was any discussion of the role of Pope Francis in, it would appear, protecting Father Marco Rubnik, a friend of his with many years standing, from punishment or scrutiny. But actually, one of the most scandalous aspects of this whole business has been the reluctance of the mainstream media to subject Father Rupnik to any sort of scrutiny or to give much publicity to the appalling testimonies of victims, which has been in the public domain for quite some time now. It was just that last week was the first time that one of the victims came forward in person at a public press conference. In the English-speaking world... Only a couple of Catholic journalists have dared to ask what precisely did Pope Francis know about the grotesque allegations against his friend Routnik and when. Meanwhile, other Catholic journalists have gone out of their way not to report the story. And I can prove that. I was in Rome last October on the day when it was revealed that incredibly and apparently, with the permission of Pope Francis, there was a plan to return Rupnik, now expelled from the Jesuits, to parish life in Slovenia when that news leaked. And there was an explosion of outrage throughout the Catholic world. Really senior figures on social media expressing their disgust and disbelief at the attitude of the Holy See towards Rupnik. And yet, during this furore, Leading publications, Catholic publications and Catholic correspondents mainstream media, basically refused to print a word about this news, about the disgusting plan to rehabilitate Rubnik. And they only mentioned it when, a few days after the news broke, the Pope was forced to do a screeching U-turn and announced that he had now decided to lift the statute of limitations which would allow prosecution of Rubnik. Which, by the way, has not happened. And one of the things I found infuriating about the Daily Telegraph article is that this decision by the Pope is mentioned at the end to make it sound as if Francis was stepping in to sort things out. Nothing could be further from the truth. Fortunately, certain Italian publications are in no doubt as to the gravity of this scandal and the very disturbing questions it raises about the Pope's involvement. There was a very detailed and frank report yesterday in the newspaper Il Giornale by the Vatican commentator Nicus Montoni. And it contained details that I hadn't heard before, and which I'm sure you will find very shocking, but they're not actually quite as bad as some of the stuff that, as I've said before on this podcast, simply cannot be mentioned, because it's too gross. And the following is simply a quote from the alleged victim Gloria at this press conference last week in which she alleged that Rubnik began his assaults on her by lifting her skirt, telling her that that was the gesture that the Madonna made to reveal the divine humanity of Christ, which was the wisdom of the Father. And, according to Gloria, much worse alleged assaults followed this, in which she lost her virginity, and she was dragged, allegedly, into this threesome. The timeline of the claims about Rubnik, the belated and partial investigations, and the subsequent cover-up, is actually rather complicated. But it's still almost incredible. And here's Nico Spuntoni's summary from Il Giornale yesterday. He wrote, Although the very harsh allegations against the Slovenian artist, later deemed credible by the Jesuits who expelled him in June 2023, were known in the Vatican as early as the end of 2021, Rupnik continued to be at home in the sacred palaces, so much so to be received in audience by Francis on the 3rd of January 2022. Not only that, it was later discovered that the Slovenian artist was at the centre of a more recent case, according to which he had absolved in the confession box a woman of the sin of sleeping with him, which is an incredibly grave, excommunicable act by any Catholic priest. This serious canonical crime, which Rupnik didn't deny, was being investigated by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And in the summer of 2020, it did excommunicate Rupnik. But here's the really strange thing. While the proceeding against Rupnik for absolving his lover in the confessional were going on, he was invited in March 2020 to give the Lenten sermon at the Roman Curia. That is in the very heart of the Vatican. Two months after that, as Spuntoni records, Rubnik was excommunicated, an excommunication that was mysteriously lifted soon after. Actually, it was a matter of weeks after. And the Il Giornale article then makes this very important point. Quote, In the numerous interviews granted by the Pope in recent years, there have been no questions about the case of the former Slovenian Jesuit, which is scandalising the world, with one exception. Nicole Winfield of the Associated Press asked Francis whether he had intervened in the affair or not and received a denial, and the Pope said, For me, it was a surprise, really. This, a person, an artist of this level, for me, it was a great surprise and a wound. And Sputoni comments, incredulously, Therefore the Pope, despite the fact that two investigations into Rupnik's conduct followed one after another, at the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith between 2019 and 2022, denied being aware of the very serious accusations against the man who was called in in the midst of the pandemic to hold spiritual exercises at the Curia. It doesn't add up. So many questions have not been answered. In fact, so many questions have not been asked, given the supine and sycophantic attitude of so many so-called Vatican correspondents, who we can be absolutely sure would have torn Benedict XVI to pieces if one of his close associates had been accused of such gross crimes and still hadn't been prosecuted for them. I was able to catch up briefly yesterday with Nico Spontoni and I asked him if he agreed, that there's just so much that we don't know, but should know.
1: There are a lot of uh, questions. Who lifted the excommunication to Rupnik in May 2020 for having absolved one of his sexual partners? And then a question for Pope Francis. Did he know about the charges against Rupnik when he called him to preach the first Lenten sermon for the Roman Curian in 2020? And did he know about the churches when he he gave Rupnik a private audience at the Vatican on uh, January 2022? And the last one, I think, why Pope Francis gave a private audience to Maria Campatelli, a woman very close to Rupnik and uh, director of the Centraletti last June?
0: So I asked Nico,
1: did he believe that the
0: Pope didn't know what was going on? (laughs)
1: Hard question, he said to Nicole Winfield uh, during an interview to the Associated Press that he was uh, surprised about the allegation against Lupnik, but maybe we should uh, hear the request of uh, the victim Gloria, she called for transparency and this request uh, is a request for Pope Francis, there is no doubt about this.
0: So how Gloria had the opportunity to meet Pope Francis to tell him about her experiences?
1: No, she never met. She sent him a letter. Uh, she said that during the press conference, she said that uh, she never got an answer from uh, Pope Francis. Uh, but Pope Francis uh, gave a private audience to the woman very close to Rupnik, the woman that defended Rupnik last June.
0: And what about the Vatican's announcement last October that the Pope was going to intervene to allow Rupnik to be prosecuted? What really happened?
1: The Pope ordered the Casteri of the Doctrine of the Faith to reopen the Rupnik case, but this happened only after all the polemics because Rupnik had become a diocesan priest in Slovenia and Cardinal O'Malley, president of the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors, protested with him for this reason.
0: I asked Nico if he agreed with me that journalists who should have been uncovering what looks like an extraordinary and very elaborate scandal have kept shamefully quiet. And he said that what struck him was that compared to previous sex scandals in previous pontificates, this Rupnik case had received remarkably little media attention. And he said he thought that was weird.
1: During the press conference, the lawyer of victim said to the journalist, it's wonderful to see so many of you. It was not so always.
0: Indeed, and it had not been so previously when abuse scandals involving other allies of Pope Francis came to light, along with evidence, in some cases, that the Vatican was desperately trying to protect or rehabilitate them. In an article published in Catholic World Report on Saturday, Christopher Altieri, one of the few Catholic journalists to hold the pontiff to account on this subject, wrote a piece headed, Pope Francis's all-out battle against clerical abuse has been a failure. Five years ago, the pontiff railed against abominable crimes that must be erased from the face of the earth. His record since has been abysmal and even scandalous, said Altieri. He mentioned Rutnik, of course, putting it this way. Pope Francis has presided over the appalling miscarriage of justice that has allowed a powerful celebrity artist-cleric not only to escape punishment for the abuse of as many as 41 victims over three decades, but even to remain in ministry as an extern priest resident in Rome. And he's referring there to reports from quite senior sources that appallingly is still privately moving among his friends in Rome, rather than in Slovenia. The article also says that Pope Francis has personally protected an Argentinian prelate whom he himself raised to the episcopate, and that's a reference to a case I've mentioned many times on this podcast, the really jaw-dropping scandal of Bishop Gustavo Zanchetta. He's the protégé of Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, who was made a bishop, had to resign amid allegations of sexual and financial corruption. Francis then airlifted him to Rome, where he was given a job overseeing some of the finances of the Holy See, can you believe it? And then an Argentinian court sentenced Sanchez to four and a half years in jail for abuse of seminarians. And it had to reach its verdict, despite the refusal of the Vatican to cooperate in supplying relevant documents something that reminds me of the attempts that I've discussed on this podcast by the then Cardinal Bergoglio to keep a now-convicted child abuser called Father Grassi out of jail. At the time, one of the judges accused Pope Francis, which he was by then, of trying to interfere with the course of justice. And you can actually find the interview with that judge on YouTube. And Altieri mentions another scandalous episode that, like the rest of them, has gone under the radar. At least in the English speaking world. The former Archbishop of Bordeaux, Jean Pierre Ricard, has kept his Cardinal's hat despite admitting to having abused a 14 year old girl 35 years ago. He is still permitted to say Mass, though not publicly, though that could change if he secures permission from a bishop. Whatever else it is, this is not the zero tolerance that Pope Francis promised. But then, as a young priest explained to me a few days ago, Two very different standards apply to, on the one hand, ordinary priests accused of abuse, and, on the other, senior clerics who enjoy papal favour. The former, he said, face instant suspension, however implausible the accusation, and hanging judges. The latter, well, just look into the cases of Grassi, Daniels, Enzoli, Barros, Sanchetta, Ricard, Rupnik, and, before the Pope's hand was forced, McCarrick and then compare their fates to the summary dismissal of Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, for the theological thought crime of being too conservative. But actually, I really don't want to go down the route of saying this is a liberal conspiracy, because we know from previous pontificates that conservative prelates are capable of the most appalling acts of depravity. The heart of the scandal is this, that the supreme ruler of Western Europe's most corrupt state The spiritual leader of nearly a billion people, God's chief representative on earth, according to the Catholic Church, has repeatedly protected the perpetrators of awful crimes against children and young people because, it would appear, they are useful to him. And I could give you a long list, not just of protected abusers, but also of journalists who aren't interested in telling this story. And my question to all of them is the same. How do you sleep at night?